Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is July 5th, 2019. And um, up until this Sunday, the European Union has to prove to Iran that they are still backing that deal by sending them a plane full of cash. In the meantime, yesterday, they illegally confiscated a tanker claiming that it had crude oil when it didn't. And those of you that were busy with festivities, I have just uploaded our Independence Day live show yesterday, where I said something uh, really important at the end of the first hour, really important information that's going to be coming to fruition in about seven months, because I'm about seven months ahead of the game, right? Now, I thought today we can kind of revisit the president's speech, not all of it, but most of it, and before, well, let's take a listen to what the president said yesterday, how he honored our military, because July 4th, Independence Day, is due to the actions of our military, to the way they protect us how they give their lives for us, what they produce for us, what they do for us. This is what our holiday is about, about those brave men and women that decided enough. We are no longer going to comply with the crown. We are no longer going to be living as subjects. We are going to be free people. That's what July 4th is all about. So I thought we could kind of revisit a portion of his speech that I loved. I actually loved seeing uh, uh, our new secretary. Uh, He was the former secretary of the U.S. Army, Esper, where he he just looked so elegant and so proud. It was just incredible. So I think that going forward... Uh, I wanted to kind of play the portion of the speech after introducing all, after uh, telling everyone what portions of our military do and what they don't do, and kind of see what he wanted this day to be. Let's hear it. In August of 1790, by request of George Washington and Alexander Hamilton, Congress established a fleet of 10 swift vessels to defend our shores. These revenue cutters would fight pirates, stop smugglers, and safeguard our borders. They are the ancestors of our faithful Coast Guard. 
When our ships were seized and sailors kidnapped by foreign powers in 1812, it was a revenue cutter, the swift schooner Thomas Jefferson, that swept in to capture the first British vessel of the war. In 1897, when 265 whalers were trapped in ice and the ice fields of Alaska were closing up, courageous officers trekked 1,500 miles through the frozen frontier to rescue those starving men from certain death. In 1942, the Coast Guard manned landing craft for invasions in the Pacific when the enemy attacked U.S. Marines from the shores of Guadalcanal. Coast Guard Singleman First Class Douglas Monroe used his own boat to shield his comrades from pounding gunfire. Monroe gave his life. Hundreds of Marines were saved. As he lay dying on the deck, his final question embodied devotion that sails with every Coast Guardsman. Did they get off? Now, I just wanted to play this portion to kind of guide you to what he's telling you. See, the Coast Guard in the military are known as puddle pirates, right? (laughs) That's what, uh, you know, us squids say, they're puddle pirates. But we don't give them enough credit. Because the Coast Guard's ultimate job is to protect our borders. The Coast Guard's job is to make sure that people aren't smuggled, things aren't smuggled, and... They're our first line of defense to invasion. They're our border patrol military of the waters, right? No drugs, right? They're the ones seizing drugs. They're the ones seizing human and child traffickers. They're the ones that do that all. They are very important. And it was incredible to see a president highlight the Coast Guard because they don't get enough credit, like I said, including me. We call them puddle pirates, but they're an integral part of maintaining our sovereignty. So his speech was telling you what is really important now, aside from our Marines, our Army, our Air Force, and our Navy that goes outside of our borders to defend us, that travel lengths, that provide support domestically, but they're usually on foreign soil fighting, right? Or foreign waters. Whereas the Coast Guard maintain the borders. They maintain and keep our sovereignty. They are the visual cue for anyone trying to come into our nation that, hey, we're here and we're guarding. That was important for me. That was important for me to see. And I hope a lot of people caught that because that's really important. Now, uh, I wanted to say that this morning, earlier today, I saw a bunch of B-52 bombers, because, you know, my not Air Force Base houses them, fly out like super fast. Like they weren't like, oh yeah, we're flying and we're going. It was just like, I saw five of them just burst out, which was incredible because last time when they left to go overseas to Europe, you could hear them, but they weren't like looking like they were rushing. Make sense? It's, it's, it's very different. It was a very different thing that I witnessed this morning. And that makes me wonder. It makes me wonder what's going on. It makes me wonder what is being done today. And I think it all has to do with Iran and Europe. And, you know, don't worry. We will not have war with Iran. 
There are other nations picking wars, but we will not. Now, I just wanted to say, Iran had, you know, the tanker that I talked about yesterday that was seized by the European Union at the Straits of Gibraltar, claiming that there was crude oil? Well, there wasn't. So this is extremely interesting to see how this will play out now. It is very interesting to see. Now, before I continue to elaborate, now I want to play the opening part of President Trump's speech to Salute America event. The First Lady and I wish each and every one of you a happy Independence Day on this truly historic 4th of July. Today we come together as one nation with this very special salute to America. We celebrate our history, our people, and the heroes who proudly defend our flag, the brave men and women of the United States military. We are pleased to have with us Vice President Mike Pence and his wonderful wife, Karen. We're also joined by many hardworking members of Congress, Acting Secretary of Defense Mark Esper and many other members of my cabinet, and also the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Joe Dunford. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lieutenant General Daniel Hawkinson of the National Guard and distinguished leaders representing each branch of the United States Armed Forces, the Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, Marines, and very soon, the Space Force. Okay, let's talk about Space Force for a bit. Other than the fact that my youngest one wants to join it, um, what is going on with Space Force? Let's talk a little bit about Space Force. So if you remember, President Trump had said that Space Force was important. Space Force was um, an important component that should have been made a long, long time ago, right? That's what President Trump said, didn't he? He said Space Force is important for our security. Um, Space Force is important to make sure that um, we can fight wars in space. Do you remember that? That is what he said. Now, Time Magazine has a clip. I want you guys to listen to this carefully before we enter into that conversation. Space, the United States is going to do Colonel Glenn Proud. We are finally going to lead again. You see what's happening. You see the rockets going up left and right. You haven't seen that for a long time. Very soon we're going to Mars. You wouldn't have been going to Mars if my opponent won. That I can tell you. You wouldn't even be thinking about it. Space is a war-fighting domain, just like the land, air, and sea. We may even have a space force, develop another one, space force. We have the Air Force, we'll have the Space Force. We have the Army, the Navy. You know, I was saying it 
the other day because we're doing a tremendous amount of work in space. I said, maybe we need a new force. We'll call it the Space Force. And I was not really serious. And then I said, what a great idea. Maybe we'll have to do that. He's right. Because last week I played you a clip with where, where Putin and I was um, dubbing it right for you guys because he was speaking in Russian. How important the START three treaty is. He made it clear that what we have to do is have this START three treaty, not just for nuclear weapons, for attacks on land or within our planet, but for nuclear missiles being shot into space. And he says that this is very important because we can have disasters outside of this planet. Now, a lot of people will say, well, does that mean, okay, let's do this. Does that mean that there are aliens that are going to come and annihilate us? Let's be honest, okay? Intelligent life forms, I'm totally on board, exist. A hundred percent. Some of them may be on par with our technology, but I have to assume that they are highly more intelligent than us um, and have respect for life as we do. Now, you know, maybe we're part of their food chain. Who knows? Maybe we're tasty to them, whatever. But I don't believe that they would come and annihilate our planet. Obviously, if they're facing an existential threat and we're the closest place to find and create a home, then one might say, yep, they might come. But think about it. President Trump said we're going to be going to Mars. Mars, as we know it, from the information that we have, is uninhabitable, right? So what makes you think that we can colonize it because of technology, right? So you would assume that other intelligent life forms would do the same as opposed to annihilate other civilizations across the galaxy. Yes? So let's consider that. Now, during his speech, during the fireworks, there were a lot of pictures going around showing some fancy aircraft. Fancy aircraft that you couldn't really see, but you could see were there. Now, think about it. It was very revealing, but do you think it was foreign or extraterrestrial? Mm -mm. I tell you that the technology we have is so advanced, so advanced that (laughs) it could just possibly just be ours. I am one person that is very open-minded and I can say that You know, those strange lights that we're seeing uh, being reported even by mainstream media now. It's becoming an epidemic. And I said, here's the thing. We do not want them uh, to win or take back the war that we won. Why? Because they will use that. Because under one existential threat, we all come together and we'll forfeit more rights. Correct? And I said this in November. The worst thing that can happen right now to unify the whole world and allow this universal order plan to happen is alien invasions, okay? So it's not alien. I believe we have that technology. And you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and speak a little bit of rationale, but think about it. In 50 years or 100 years, do you believe that we may have time travel? We might even have it now. So if we were traveling in time... Would we be coming with like watch-wearing devices that can transport us? No. Because if we use what I call the base 60 math system, 
and actually apply it to equations of, you know, past scientists and redo all the other math that has been taught to us, you will understand that traveling through time is just like traveling through physical space. So you wouldn't be jumping through a wormhole. You would be literally traveling in a machine. This is my logic. This isn't fact. This is my logic trying to get an explanation because now Europe has jumped on that bandwagon and they had a lot of that going on. So the reason I say this is because when I was watching the European news today and they were talking about their need for, you know, space command and space, um, uh, a space force, uh, they were looking to see what nations they could partner with uh, because the United Kingdom kind of has it, but doesn't really have it as they claim because they had all put all their eggs in one basket to the United States and, of course, Russia. Now, China is a leader, too, in this. Why do I say this? Because it was really strange. Because one thing that I saw that was uber strange is that after that, they were talking about the appointment of um, the new European Council leader. Um, and it was strange to watch their behavior. Strange in the fact that Juncker, you know, that runs the whole show, right? He was saying that, you know, the EU chief was a, um, was a difficult for him to pick. His successor was a difficult choice. Now, earlier this morning, about two hours ago, I retweeted an RT video clip of Juncker. Remember, Juncker is one of those guys that's mystique and very non-transparent because nothing that happens, you know, uh, in the EU is transparent. The people that run it, the people that pass legislation, the people that say yay or nay, nobody knows who they are. They are people with no names on their doors, no business cards, and that, that the EU parliament has no access to. So he said, oh, you know, it wasn't very transparent and it was difficult. But here's the thing. Here's what I saw in the clip. Really odd behavior. Behavior that was so odd, it made you go, hmm. He greeted every woman kissing her, and one that came to him, he started like flicking her hair playfully, which was really, really, really weird. Uh, you know, he was loopy even and totally giddy and handsy. It was just bizarre to watch. And he was making, you know, certain movements. It was just so bizarre. So something has happened, you know, obviously now with the European Union under this deadline with Iran and Iran's not having it anymore. They're like, you didn't send us a plane with cash. We got issues. Um, it's really weird that they pick his successor now, that they confiscate, you know, they, they literally took an oiler, an oil tanker that didn't have crude oil, but was a ship to ship fueler, right? And claimed that it was crude oil going to Syria, which was impossible. And I analyzed that yesterday and told you why it's impossible. And all of this is happening now. It seems like a lot is going down. And I'm going to say this uh, pretty, um, pretty uh, forcefully, I would say, uh, President Trump, this Tuesday, 
said in a tweet, um, there was a, um, a tweet that said someone should call up Obama. The Obama administration spied on a rival presidential campaign using federal agency. I mean, that seems to be the headline for me. And that was from um, by Tucker Carlson. It'll start coming out, Tucker Carlson, and the witch hunt will end presidential harassment. That was the president tweeting and referring to Tucker Carlson. So he's telling us that it's coming out. It's starting to come out. And news on the street says that certain things were brought to the attention to certain prosecutors. Now, everyone's just pointing to Huber. Everyone's just pointing to, you know, all these other U.S. attorneys that we know of, like Durham, but there's more. Now, a lot of people are like, you know, John Kerry was arrested or so-and-so was arrested. Let me tell you something. When these big fish get arrested, you will know. It will be loud and proud for now as things are coming to fruition because we won't hear about indictment and going to court. We won't hear about their trials because they're going through tribunals. We will hear about it when it's done and finished. And you have to remember that only about a month ago it was reported that the judge that sat in Gitmo was removed and that they're getting a $144 million facelift right now. So, you know, you know, John Durham wasn't something new. John Durham wasn't someone that we hadn't heard about before because, you know, Baker spoke about it in his testimony a couple years ago. So we already knew. The point is, how visible is it? Now, yesterday, during this salute to America, the mainstream media thought that what is really going on, what we can't see, The indictments that have already been done, the trials that are already going underway were going to be announced. This is why they didn't film. This is why they didn't broadcast for that specific reason, because they were scared that he was going to say something, but that's not his style. No, I'm not going to do it when you expect me to do it. I'm going to do it when you least expect it. So you're on your toes. He's going to do it when they're going to be forced to cut their feet and people are going to be like, why'd you cut it? Whoop, fake news. So this is what's going down now. This is what's happening right now. And I said, Labor Day weekend will be explosive and it will be the point of no return after Labor Day weekend. I've said this since November. Labor Day weekend is key. Key. So one person has to think, if the president already said it's starting to come out when referring to the Obama administration and the witch hunt and the presidential harassment will end, you have to think, huh? What's coming out and how fast? All you have to do is look to Twitter. Look at all those representatives that are on the, you know, they're going to be aiming for this ballot. They're going to want to be reelected into Congress and they are being called out for being liars. Schiff, Ocasio, they should be worried about their campaigns more than smearing and lying. Look at the crowds that were there yesterday for this salute to America. 
Look at just how many of them were there in the rain. And all they could say, it was a small crowd. All they could say is, great, it was raining. Great, no one's going to be there. But yet they were. That crowd tells you that 2020 will be a landslide. It tells you it'll be a landslide. You need not look any further. It's important that people read between the lines and understand what our president was saying yesterday, what our president was telling us yesterday, and why he did it. His military is important. His military is key because when this all comes out, we need to rely on our men and women in uniform to protect us because they will not go down without a huge, massive fight. They will pull whatever card they need to get it done, and we need our military to stand right by us. We need to let our military know that we appreciate them, and we do. We 100% do. Now, after this break, I'm going to talk about the flag a little bit. There's an unknown writer a veteran from, I think, maybe 50 years ago that wrote this poem, you would say, that was so incredible that I'm going to share it with you because not a lot of people know about it. And it tells you exactly what our flag is. And hopefully I can see if I can put it together in an audio clip so we can share it. Because I think those that are on the left but kind of on the fence should hear it and understand what the U.S. flag really means. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, Hey, try this. Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855 855- 72978 Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219. 1-800-707-1219. 
Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for MyPillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. MyPillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable MyPillow is with its patented interlocking fill. MyPillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. MyPillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. So in this half hour, I just want to reiterate in summary the responses that we're seeing from the July 4th parade. I mean, I've never seen anyone so angry for a July 4th parade. Can you guys believe that? I I can't believe it. I am reluctant to believe that there are people in this nation that hate our nation that much. It is incredible. They were making fun of our president trying to read the script in the rain, making errors a few times from the beginning to the end. And instead of saying, grab their ports, he said, grab, you know, hold their airports instead of hold their ports. You know, it's normal. It is so normal. So normal for someone to trip up like that, especially when you're sitting there reading something for over 40 minutes (laughs) in the rain and with so many cameras in your face. But our parade yesterday reminded me of this poem. This poem, I'll tell you guys the story about this. I was flown back to the U.S. uh, in, it was just before, it was, I think it was like 2004, for just two weeks to, you know, learn something and do something to go do something. That's all I can say. So, you know, I left my, 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 um, husband to be because I was still engaged. I was one of those people. I was like, I don't know, just cause you know, I like you and stuff and you know, we're raising a kid together. doesn't mean I want to marry you yet. I was one of those people. Right. So I left him alone and my child, I, sent her off to her grandparents for vacay and it was before um my wedding and um i was at this place um called the bohemian grove and um i met there uh, you know during a, a watch because you know people stand watch there uh an older gentleman who was telling me things and educating me on things. And we went to a, um, a diner, you would say. And there we sat down and, you know, he asked me, you know, how many times I had 
you know, gone to the area, you know, and it was only my second time. The first time I went, it was super weird. Um, so we sat down and he gave me this paper, which I still have today. And this is how I am, um, how I remembered it. And it was uh, written by him, rewritten, and kind of passed down to patriots, okay? And he said he felt that I need this, you know, to remind me of things. So I'm going to tell you this poem right now. He tells me that this poem was um, given to a nun um, about, you know, in the 1970s. We don't know who this veteran is and what they say or who they are. Are they male, female? We don't know. But let me read it to you. It, it is touching. Okay, so it goes like this. Hello, remember me? Some people call me Old Glory. Others call me the Star Spangled Banner. But whatever they call me, I'm your flag. The flag of the United States of America. Something has been bothering me, so I thought I'd talk it over with you because it's about me and you. Not too long ago, people were lining on both sides of the street to see a parade go by. And naturally, I was leading that parade proudly, waving in the breeze. And when your daddy saw me coming, he would immediately remove his hat and place it over his left shoulder so his right hand would be over his heart. And you, you were standing there right next to your dad. You didn't have a hat and your little sister, not to be outdone, was standing right next to you. Both of you had your hand, your right hand over your heart. What has happened now? I don't feel as proud as I used to. I'm still the same old flag. I see children around playing, shouting. They don't seem to know or care who I am or what I stand for. I saw an elderly gentleman take his hat off but when he saw others with theirs on he turned around and slowly walked away hey i'm still the same old flag a few stars have been added since those parades long long ago a lot of blood has been shed is it a sin to be patriotic anymore have you forgotten who i am what i stand for and where i've been Normandy, Korea, Vietnam, so many wars, the civil ones. Take a good look one of these days at the memorial honor roll of all the names of all those that never came back. They gave their lives for this great nation to be free. Under God. When you salute me, you salute each and every one of them. Well, it won't be long now. And I'll be coming down that street, leading that parade again one day and proudly waving in the breeze. So when you see me coming, stand up. Stand up straight and salute. And I'll salute you by waving back. And then I'll know that you remember. Now that is incredible. Think that veteran wrote that somewhere in the 70s. The loathing of our nation and the flag had started then. The turmoil that we see in our nation has been there for a while. And so yesterday I tweeted out to you guys something that I found incredible. 
You know how we've been talking about abortion and infanticide and all these things, right? We've been talking about it. Well, oh my gosh, guess what? Our President Reagan was talking about just that. He was talking about infanticide. He was talking about abortion. He was talking about how much evil exists in our nation. And you know, this isn't a very publicized um, speech. It's actually part of the Ronald Reagan Library. But it's just incredible how he was talking about, uh, you know, these abortion clinics. And it's so important that you listen to this. Just listen to this. This is incredible. Be good. America will cease to be great. Well, I'm pleased to... I'm pleased to be here today with you who are keeping America great by keeping her good. Only through your work and prayers, those of millions of others, can we hope to survive this perilous century and keep alive this experiment in liberty, this last best hope of man. I want you to know that this administration is motivated by a political philosophy that sees the greatness of America in you, her people and in your families, churches, neighborhoods, communities, the institutions that foster and nourish values like concern for others and respect for the rule of law under God. Now, I don't have to tell you that this puts us in opposition to, or at least out of step with, a a prevailing attitude of many who have turned to a modern-day secularism, discarding the tried and time-tested values upon which our very civilization is based. No matter how well-intentioned, their value system is radically different from that of most Americans. And while they proclaim that they're freeing us from superstitions of the past, they've taken upon themselves the job of superintending us by government rule and regulation. Sometimes their voices are louder than ours, but they are not yet a majority. So I just wanted to say, this is from 1983, and those liberals that he's referring to, those people that believe that abortion and infanticide are okay, were not the majority, and they still are not the majority. Listen to what he said. He, they just had a megaphone. They are just louder than us, and the majority is silent. Remember, look at this campaign. Didn't he say, making America great by keeping it good? By keeping it good. This is key because this is evil that we are dealing with. This is spiritual warfare. This is taking humans and putting them in a pocket of sin. And yes, we are sinners. And even Reagan makes mention of that during this speech. But what we have to know is that this was a problem, right? Over 40 years ago. Over 40 years ago, this was being discussed, and it's 2019, and finally we have a president that he said one day will revoke any federal funds to these clinics that think they're doing good. Listen, listen, listen to what he says. An example of that vocal 
superiority is evident in the controversy now going on in Washington. Since I've been involved, I've been waiting to hear from the parents of young America. How far are they willing to go in giving to government their prerogatives as parents? Let me state the case as briefly and simply as I can. An organization of citizens sincerely motivated, deeply concerned about the increase in illegitimate births and abortions involving girls well below the age of consent, some time ago established a nationwide network of clinics to offer help to these girls and hopefully alleviate this situation. Now again, let me say, I do not fault their intent. However, in their well-intentioned effort, these clinics have decided to provide advice and birth control drugs and devices to underage girls without the knowledge of their parents. For some years now, the federal government has helped with funds to subsidize these clinics. In providing for this, the Congress decreed that every effort would be made to maximize parental participation. Nevertheless, the drugs and devices are prescribed without getting parental consent or giving notification after they've done so. Girls termed sexually active, and that has replaced the word promiscuous, are given this help in order to prevent illegitimate birth, birth or abortion. Well, we have ordered clinics receiving federal funds to notify the parents such help has been given. One of the nation's One of the nation's leading newspapers has created the term squeal rule in editorializing against us for doing this, and we're being criticized for violating the privacy of young people. A judge has recently granted an injunction against an enforcement of our rule. Are you hearing that? See, this is stuff you forget. This is stuff history's not going to tell you unless you go digging for it, unless you're on microfilms, unless you go to the Library of Congress, or, as I do, go to the Ronald Reagan Presidential Archives. What you will hear now will shock you to your core. So he's referring to the New York Times putting out the article, calling it a squeal rule. There were federal judges back then as well that blocked what President Reagan was trying to do. Remember, I told you, Bush was a three-term president. He did everything to block it. The only thing Reagan would do would talk because he couldn't do much. But he was warning everyone and he was telling everyone what is really going on. Wait till he gets to infanticide. Wait till you see 40 years ago, the predictions. And remember, I wrote that article just a couple months ago, how they approved, they approved, the death of those that are elderly or handicapped by starvation. He's going to refer to that. And you know what? It did a little ding ding in my head. I have to look at the American Disabilities Act because he said that American Disabilities Act prevents them from doing it. Wait till you hear what was going on 40 years ago. You think this just happened today? They have been grooming. They have been grooming all our children. They have been grooming everyone for this day. They have been grooming them to be exactly where they want them to be. And this is why I have said it again and again and again. President Trump threw a wrench in their plans. And when he says this is the last time that we can fight for freedom, not just for us, but for the world, he is right. Because this was 
decades. When I tell you it is decades and decades in the making, it is no joke. It started in 1903. I've watched TV, TV panel shows discuss this issue, seen columnists uh, pontificating on our error, but no one seems to mention morality as playing a part in the subject of sex. Is all of Judeo-Christian tradition wrong? Are we to believe that something so sacred can be looked upon as a purely physical thing with no potential for emotional and psychological harm? And isn't it the parents' right to give counsel and advice to keep their children from making mistakes that may affect their entire lives? It's 2019, and what are they telling our children? How to have safe anal sex. That's what they're telling them. How that they can choose their gender. That's 40 years ago, guys. 40 years. Many of us in government would like to know what parents think about this intrusion in their family by government. We're going to fight in the courts. The right of parents and the rights of family take precedence over those of Washington-based bureaucrats and social engineers. Here's the thing. The parents at that time in the 80s was a revolution where the women were working again with the hair, with the aerobics, with the cocaine. Do you remember that? It was all orchestrated. They knew exactly what they were doing and how they were going to do it. This was the next phase. Like I said, Obama's election was the kickoff for the final rollout. And Hillary would have just put the stamp to end it. Stamp to say, all right, we're done. This was over 100 years in the making and we got it done. But the fight against parental notification is really only one example of many attempts to water down traditional values and even abrogate the original terms of American democracy. Freedom prospers when religion is vibrant and the rule of law under God is acknowledged. Aren't you glad that we have a praying president? Because I am. I am very proud. Founding fathers passed the First Amendment. They sought to protect churches from government interference. They never intended to construct a wall of hostility between government and the concept of religious belief itself. I've said that before, right? He's right. The First Amendment protects religious speech, too. It permeates our history and our government. The Declaration of Independence mentions the supreme being no less than four times. In God we trust is engraved on our coinage. The Supreme Court opens its proceedings with a religious invocation, and the members of Congress open their sessions with a prayer. I just happen to believe the school children of the United States are entitled to the same privileges as Supreme Court. Now wait till you hear what he says and listen to the liberal reporter's comment. You can hear him clearly saying, oh my God. Watch what the president says. Last year, I sent 
to Congress a constitutional amendment to restore prayer to public schools. So we'll make that. Already this session, there's growing bipartisan support for the amendment, and I am calling on the Congress to act speedily to pass it and to let our children pray. That is incredible. But did you see, did you hear how he said that, um, you know, uh, oh my God, I can't believe that he's going to be doing that and putting prayer back into school. This is not something new. This is not something new. Our children don't believe in any God. They are raised to believe in the government. I'm just going through the claps. Being held during the students' own time. The First Amendment never intended to require government to discriminate against religious speech. Oops, that's what I said, of course. Lots of clapping, huh? Senators Denton and Hatfield have proposed legislation in the Congress on the whole question of prohibiting discrimination against religious forms of student speech. Such legislation could go far to restore freedom of religious speech for public school students. And I hope the Congress considers these bills quickly. And with your help, I think it's possible we could also get the constitutional amendment through the Congress this year. It's, it was really difficult for him, uh, especially when he spoke about um, infanticide, because it is um, pretty incredible um, what you're going to hear now. Uh, you know, you never thought that this was happening before now. You forgot that killing, taking life and having no morality existed over 40 years ago and then some. This is something incredible that I stumbled upon yesterday while I was waiting to hear the president's speech. And it actually made me cry because I couldn't believe that over 40 years no one Supreme did anything. Court decision literally wiped off the books of 50 states statutes protecting the rights of unborn children. Abortion on demand now takes the lives of up to one and a half million unborn children a year. Human life legislation ending this tragedy will someday pass the Congress, and you and I must never rest until it does. And like I said yesterday, two Supreme Court justices are resigning. And that will happen. It will. And the Democrats are going to be doing it. It can be proven that the unborn child is not a living entity, then its right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness must be protected. You, you may remember that when abortion on demand began, many, and indeed I'm sure many of you, warned that the practice would lead to a decline in respect for human life, that the philosophical premises used to justify abortion on demand would ultimately be used to justify other attacks on the sacredness of human life, infanticide or mercy killing. Tragically enough, those warnings proved all too true. Only last year, a court permitted the death by starvation of a handicapped infant. I have directed the Health and Human Services Department to make clear to every health care facility in the United States that the Rehabilitation Act of 1973 protects all handicapped persons against discrimination based on handicaps, including infants.
We have taken the further step of requiring that each and every recipient of federal funds who provides health care services to infants must post and keep posted in a conspicuous place a notice stating that discriminatory failure to feed and care for handicapped infants in this facility is prohibited by federal law. Did you guys hear that? So here we are in 2019, still struggling with the same issues. Now, the first step that we took was defunding Planned Parenthood, the clinics that Ronald Reagan was referring to. Right now, we have states passing legislation disallowing for the death for abortion once a heartbeat is detected, the heartbeat bills. Now, those states that have them passed, I'm pretty sure, will contest. And that will end up in the Supreme Court. And we will again, as he foresaw, come to a day where morality rules our nation, not immorality. And one thing people need to understand is how communism works. Communism does not work with morals. It works with interests. Our nation right now does not see that it answers to a higher power. The higher power for the past hundred years in our nation, flipping, flopping, like I said, yay, awesome president, morals, freedom, liberty, happiness, yet no, government, 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 happiness, government, 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 Peaks and troughs throughout our history. Well, this is the last peak we have and we need to maintain that peak because there is no going back. They have conditioned the children of the baby boomers to move along and have different ideals of what life is and how important it is. They have now, they're passing legislation across states to starve disabled people, people that are, you know, hurting or psychologically ill to be allowed to take their own life. Didn't that 17 year old who was sexually abused at the age of 11 in Europe was allowed to take her life? How are we able to look at ourselves in the mirror with these atrocities happening now after the break we're going to get into some more stuff but more so let's talk about what's going around the world because things are really heating up Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic. Unfiltered news. Real news. 
Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So this is the second hour where we're going to be talking about things that are happening and things that make you go, hmm. Now, I retweeted a parody Fox News channel page where it said that Ruth Bader Ginsburg suffered a heart attack and that, you know, her condition is critical. Now, here's what people need to understand. There are many movements that are putting out truths. Now, not saying that she had a heart attack or not, but yesterday I told you that two Supreme Court justices are leaving. Ruth is one of them. They're stepping down. Now, when you, okay, think about it this way. When a comedian is on stage, they talk about serious issues. They talk about racism. They talk about divorce. They talk about politics. Uh, they talk about, uh, you know, murder, abortion. They talk about really strong issues that are difficult conversations to have, religion, whatever. How do they do it? How do they deliver what they feel? How do they deliver a message without really delivering the message? It's through comedy, storytelling, right? And parodies. Because parodies, comedies, and storytelling point out things that make you go, hmm. So I was made aware by very solid sources that before this year is out, Two Supreme Court justices will be stepping down. Okay? That's that. Because a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, it's fake. Yes, it is. It's a parody. And parodies are based on truths. Remember that. So I just wanted to point that out just to make it clear. Uh, People need to kind of read in between the lines sometimes. Now, what do we have going on? Okay? There's a lot going on. Let's talk about California, first of all. July 4th. Wow. Independence Day, California is being rocked, but it's not something new. I'll tell you why. In 2017 patterns, okay, I've already said, you know, my, my um, talent is identifying patterns. I noticed that the Pacific Teutonic Plate itself was highly active from 2017, right? And when I saw a couple days ago where they um, reported about the volcano, you know, erupting. I thought, whoa, pressure was released. So we're going to see a tectonic plate really make moves. Well, right after that, you will see, if you go to the USGS website, you'll see that there have been over 400 earthquakes in the past 24 hours, just on the edges of the Pacific plate. In the past 24 hours, in well, from the moment that California had their big earthquake yesterday until today, they have had another 530 of them just there that range. Oh, and when I say how many before, I'm talking over 4.5, right? Over 4.5 on the Richter scale. So now when I say California has had over 500 since that big earthquake, um, aftershocks and earthquakes, within their area, within, you know, from yesterday when they had the big earthquake until now. It's as if they're averaging an earthquake every 20 minutes. And they range anywhere from 1.8 to 6.4 on the Richter scale. Something is really happening in California. And, you know, I know jokes aside, you know, because I feel bad because not everyone is, you know, whatever. But think about it. If they actually, if California actually seceded, right, right? If they were actually removed from our lot would be solved. 
That is the state that, uh, you know, fosters pedophilia, fosters human trafficking, fosters nefarious activities, disgusting satanic activities, and also does not appreciate their own U.S. citizens compared to the illegal migrants. Now, having said that, you know, I wish that Californians, conservative Californians that are tired of paying high taxes, of having poop on their street, of being pushed to the side, of paying crazy sales tax, gas tax, this tax. Why isn't there a mass exodus? I mean, if they all left California and said, you know what, poke this, I'm out. If there was a mass exodus, that would allow them to have California be a part of Mexico, actually, or Guatemala or whatever they want to, you know, do with it. I'm just saying. But what is happening in California right now has been brewing since 2017. There has been increased activity. And always when you see volcanoes erupt, it's usually a release of pressure. Because remember, these tectonic plates are kind of like puzzle pieces and they all touch against each other. So when one is being pressured, you know, volcanoes are usually the outlets. So now a lot of people are like concerned. Oh my gosh, is Yellowstone going to blow up? Oh my gosh, this. Yeah, it could be. But it seems that the pressure of the tectonic plate is actually hitting toward the west because that's where we're seeing some weird seismic activity and, you know, volcanoes going. So it's kind of toward the Asian side where it's pushing. So it looks as if it's pushing west and pulling out from the east, you know. So that picture that I was tweeting about California detaching totally can happen because that is the way the movement is going. Uh, so I thought I would mention that and it's, um, and it was a quite interesting thing to look at, uh, the whole, what's going on with the earthquakes. It's, um, it's pretty incredible. Now, another thing I wanted to kind of talk about, speaking of California, is that news just broke uh, through AP today that the young guy who had accused Kevin Spacey of groping him uh, back in 2016 actually dropped his lawsuit against him. Now, one might say this young man was paid off. Another one might say, you know, he was blackmailed. He was attacked. He was threatened. Nobody knows. Now, uh, the lawyer for that young man Mitchell uh, Garabadian, he announced it in an email that the suit that was filed in um, June at the Nantucket Superior Court was voluntarily dismissed. There was no reason by him or in the court filing why it was done. And, you know, nobody can get in contact with them. I actually called and the voicemail box was full. So according to whatever was filed, it was done with prejudice means um, that this case cannot be brought up again. So if that person decides to, in the future, go and file a case against Kevin Spacey for that, they can't because it's with prejudice. So that means you can't file it again. You're done. So it's really, really weird how this happened. And, you know, uh, you know, is there a settlement? Did anyone get paid? You know, money's uh, money makes the world go round. So 
It tells you a lot, but regardless, Kevin Spacey's career is over. Just like Bette Midler's, just like Alyssa Milano's, you know, uh, Californians, Hollywood are going nuts. And here's why they're going nuts, because we have a lot of things coming out. And from what I hear in the pipeline, a slavery network in California that surrounds Hollywood is about to pop. And as I got that information uh, on Wednesday... Today, you know, and digging on it, trying to see where what, because I think it's one of those um, made companies that I've noticed a lot of uh, Democrat Congress people invest in that um, have offices in Mexico and um, Honduras and they have maids in California, whatever. Anyway, it broke about two hours ago or so that in the United Kingdom, a network that had slaves were arrested and have been jailed. There were 400 victims that they put to work in central England. Now they were specifically working out of Birmingham. Let me tell you about Birmingham. So England is pretty much, um, homogenous as a nation, like, you know, identity wise kind of, it's not like the United States where, People in Kentucky are totally different than people in Oregon. People in Texas are totally different than New Yorkers. It's kind of a mesh, but they do have their distinct qualities. And the distinct ones are, you know, the people of London, uh, Bristol, Birmingham, and Newcastle, right? So those are the four cities that you can actually detect uh, differences in speech nuances and actions and kind of traditions. I mean, I mean, all of the cities and towns have it, but those are the most like prominent, Okay. In Birmingham, it's mostly Muslim dominated. Um, it is very high on crime. They have more murders there than they do in London. Um, it's actually not a very nice place. It is um, where someone would know to go for, you know, prostitution and buying large amounts of drugs. You would think it would be, you know, Bristol or something, you know, being on the coastish kind. But no, smack in the center. So these members were actually Polish. So Polish people in England, I'm going to tell you, are like um, Mexicans, uh, Mexican laborers in the U.S. You know how when you want to get your roof done and you want to get your house done, usually people hire people that are Mexican. Why? Because they're really hard workers and they're good at what they do. It's, it's like a trade. Well, the Polish people are like that too. They're the handymen. They're, they're trained. They're skilled. They're usually plumbers, roofers, stuff like that. So the big Polish population, the majority of them are blue collar workers that are really good at what they do. Kind of like our Mexican migrants, legal migrants, let's talk legal migrants, right? Are really handy, good workers. And, you know, they have, they have, they're good with their hands, Kind of like, you know, the Greeks are good with restaurants. (laughs) You know, it's everybody has their niche and what they bring from their country, right? Mexicans, hard workers, and the Polish, the same. Well, these Polish people were actually bringing, uh, you know, young, hopeful people from Poland to the United Kingdom to supposedly start their lives, uh, you know, before this whole, we're, you know, exiting the U, the EU happens. And they had them living in houses that were horrid in regards to how they were um, maintained, having rat feces, smelling, um, and, you know, having them do 
really, really low level jobs like cleaning or garbage something or sex or anything or selling drugs. They were required and they were forced to execute labor. But not only that, they would give them money that they were in, they, they themselves had to send back to specific places because they were doing the money laundering for them too. Now, all of these people, part of this group, uh, will be, um, sentenced and they will be, um, between, uh, three and 11 years of what kind of jail time they're looking at. Funny, huh? Three and 11 years, but we've got Tommy Robinson, you know, at the old Bailey going through days and days of court because he reported on public information. It's, it's pretty insane. So, um, I wanted to play a clip of one of the men that was tricked to come here so you can hear what he has to say of how these slave networks work. In the house, there was no heating. The windows were leaking and drafty, there was no hot water, and we slept on the floor on the mattress, and we used our clothes as a blanket. This is modern-day slavery, guys. Bringing in people, telling them that you're going to give them a better life, a good job. This is what the Democrats are doing at the border. That's my point. This is why they want the illegal migrants. That's my point. They want them to work up to. Oh, let's take a listen. He was paid nothing. He was paid room and board. This is what we're seeing with all the illegal migrants that are here, right, guys? Aren't they the ones that don't get paid? Aren't they the ones that live in horrid conditions? They're the ones that are suffering. (laughs) But yet, there's no humanitarian crisis. We want them in here because we love them. No, we don't. Be honest. Who loves them? The Democrats do, because what have the Democrats had a problem with since the inception of this nation? That they love their slaves. And these people that were part of this, um, you know, slavery group weren't even allowed to leave the house to take a walk. They did what they were told to do and they were stuck there. Now, how they were exposed is that, you know, uh, two of them ran away in 2015 and complained about it. And that's how it was found. Like these people were driving around in Bentleys while people were wallowing in their own poop in these homes, working for them, promising them a bright future. Exactly what the Democrats are doing to these people that are jumping on the caravans, to these people that are paying, you know, they're paying their way to bring them here. The coyotes are telling them this. (laughs) Why? Slavery. You know, I hear the left claiming racism, claiming bigotry, but it's like, dude, this is modern day slavery. When an illegal migrant comes in here, you think he can go and apply for a job at Citibank and say, I want to be a bank teller? No, he can't. What can he do? Wash dishes, clean a house, you know, pooper scooper for dog poop. Uh, What else? Picking apples, cherries, or oranges on farms. That's all they can do. Landscapers. Because they can't qualify for anything else because they're not legitimate citizens. Ah, But here's the thing. And they don't speak English, so how are they going to work? So all these illegal migrants are coming here. Let's pretend that the Democrats get their way and they just give all of them instant citizenship. All of them. And then we close the border. So now we've got 
over 25 million people that have come in through the southern border illegally without any real qualifications, without the ability to speak our language, without knowledge of our culture because they work differently there and they want a job. Where are they going to go and work? Do you think that they're going to go and work in high positions? Do you think that they're going to get a job that's nine to five? No, they're going to have five jobs or maybe they're just going to be a live-in slave for someone. That is exactly what happens. How many Marias do you know clean toilets like Raven Simone said? How many of them live in their houses? How many of them do their gardening, clean their toilets? That is all they're worth for. That is modern day slavery. You name one illegal migrant or one Honduran or a Salvadorian that came here and got them themselves a decent job none of them that's the problem none of them nobody nobody cares this is slavery that is the point they want their slaves the democrats always complained about their slaves they need them and they want them and you know what they hate? They hate when people are patriotic. They hate when they point out how great America is and they hate for us to take away their slaves. So what are they going to do? Lie, push, a slung, sling mud in our face. Take a listen to what CNN was saying about the salute to America on CNN. Just listen to the, it. It drove wanna, me crazy. I want to get Phil Mudd's uh, perspective on what we just saw. Phil? Well, let's see. Let me be subtle here. At a professional level, 25 years in national security, I hated it. At a personal level, I hated it more. Let me tell you something. When we're in the midst of July 4th after, after 9-11, when I was at the CIA, I thought we were celebrating the defense of ideals, the right to live free and fair, the right to live according to those documents that our founding fathers established, the right to, to, of every person, every citizen in this country to pretend like they can be president, the right to have economic opportunity. I didn't realize we were fighting for the chance to pay for guns, for weapons. I did national security. I thought this, this was about ideals, and now we've made it about the military. That's not what the founding fathers gave us. They gave us the gift of ideals. At a personal level, excuse me, but now we have the Super Bowl is invaded by politics. Players are kneeling. The Women's World Cup is invaded by politics, a dispute about whether women go to the White House. We have a stupid dispute by, of, of politics this week about whether Nike puts a flag on a shoe. Can we actually have a day with hamburgers, hot dogs, and a few beers without a politician? Please, one day. And now we can't because now we got politicians saying, let's celebrate guns and aircrafts and forget about the founding fathers who talked about being cautious with a standing military. I just always wish that Phil Mudd would tell us what he Oh, my God. So on a professional level, he hated it. And at a personal level, he hated it more. It is because of our military that he's even able to sit where he's at in his privileged little chair to spew hate for the people that have spilled their blood for him to be able to to say that this is a problem you know him saying that you know he was in the midst of things and he did national security ha huh. the central agency is not american it was created to do exactly the opposite of what you think it is it was created to destroy our republic it was created to destroy the foundation of the united states of america it was created completely and utterly just to subvert our government and propel us into the condition of being subjects faster than we can blink. Now, 
Um, I wanted to say that there have been a lot of developments over in Europe. Uh, the Europeans are in full panic mode with Iran. There is a lot of uh, confusion going around, a lot of meetings that were being held uh, in the morning hours of their time and now into their late evening hours. Uh, there are many European nations that are conferring because it is this weekend that they have that deadline from Iran and things are really, really heating up. And with the confiscation of that vessel that they claim that they claim okay was carrying crude oil when we know they haven't uh you know this is uh this is going to be a big problem this weekend is going to be really bad for the deep state in general the global deep state because things will be exposed and things will be coming to light that they don't want and right now you know they're they're really upset because uh the S-400s are coming into Turkey. They're actually, they've been deployed from Russia and they are coming down to Turkey. And now here's the, here's the kicker. In Greece, uh, earlier today and Bulgaria, Bulgaria, by the way, met, uh, with Russia, uh, which is pretty interesting. It seems that there is war brewing and they said they believe that Greece is going to be pulled into the war with Turkey in Libya so this is a really really big problem because it is being talked about that um, the actions that Turkey is taking against Libya by delivering weapons and using unmanned drones is causing a huge problem uh, with uh, stability and um, you know the nations of the Mediterranean wish to remain exclusive uh, you know, on one end, you know, Italy and even um, France, because you know how they flip flop, are, you know, um, supporting Benghazi and they're actually supporting Haftar. Right. But um, Turkey is supporting Qatar. C- Qatar and Turkey are actually supporting, uh, you know, the U.N. acknowledged uh, forces in Libya, which are very small and they're holding Tripoli. And today I just wanted to say uh, I was shocked to see, I was extremely shocked to see that not only are these nations discussing now with Israel and others saying, look, the U.S., the United Emirates, uh, Saudi Arabia, Greece, Italy, uh, we're all supporting Benghazi. We're all supporting Libya to be liberated with Haftar. No more with the U.N. in Tripoli. And Turkey is sending more and more people. They're deploying more and more people out there and weapons there and people are getting very nervous it is becoming a really hot spot and not only that we see that refugees are being sent to the shores of Italy and if you remember last week Italy disallowed a ship with uh, refugees to be you know it actually Im- um, moored on the Italian um, docks and they arrested the leader of one of the largest child and human and organ traffickers ever. And this is part of this uh, NGO called Mediterranean Saving Humans. They are literally exporting refugees, refugees, child, human, and organ trafficking to Europe like nobody's business. And what's funny is they have a darn Twitter account. They have a Twitter account where they are asking people to intervene. 
They're saying that their ship, the Mediterranean, you know, reached the limits to, you know, of international waters up to Italy and Italy is not allowing them to go there and that their ship is not in a condition to, um, uh, you know, divert to where Malta, Malta gave them free pass to come through. Remember who Malta is. Malta is the one that is supporting the UN block, you know, the UN support, the UN um, forces with Turkey and Qatar against the people of Libya, the people of Libya that exposed that Hillary Clinton and John Brennan let go the ringleader of what happened in Benghazi. And that terrorist is being harbored in Ankara. They exposed that. They also provided documentation, information, pictures, and transactions to our allies, our real allies, of how Turkey is harboring and funding all the terrorist organizations, everything that we see going on in Syria. Things are about to go boom. And now we have this ship hanging out in the middle of the ocean, you know, where Italy's saying, you're not coming in here. We are not allowing this to happen. And Malta saying, well, we'll send, you know, our own boats to collect these people. And Spain is assisting. This is how desperate the EU is to for supply and demand of humans. This is what they're doing. They are literally taking people from the shores of Africa and the Middle Eastern nations and importing them into the EU. And now states like Italy and Greece have refused to comply and it's heating up. And we're going to see a lot happening on the Libyan Turkish front. It's incredible. I can't believe they have a Twitter account for human traffickers. That's just crazy. I'll see you all in a few. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. 
So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back. And now we're going to be firing out the fire Friday. So, okay. So this morning I woke up to the news about someone that everyone is talking about so belovedly, a West Virginia coal tycoon who boosted the coal industry in West Virginia. Now with President Trump, of course, soaring. Now, apparently his helicopter flying uh, from uh, his home in a very private island, which we're going to talk about, um, in the Bahamas called the Big Grand Cay. He was flying to Fort Lauderdale. Um, There were seven people on board. One of them uh, was actually his daughter, supposedly. Now, the governor has come out to express um, his uh, sadness, uh, saying that he lost a West Virginia superstar and a close friend, the pioneer of fuel, and that he built an empire on every occasion, um, you know, and he did so much good that he gave to all these universities and that he's praying for his family. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about, you know, I... So have to tell you guys one day about my trip to Panama. Um, Times are ticking on that one, so I'll be able to at one point. But I want to tell you something about these islands. So the the they are called the Vladi Private Islands. Okay, uh, they have a lot of islands that are for sale. They're private. Um, the person that owns them is Farhad Vladi. Okay, and he is the owner of all of these, and um, he is a man who has made a fortune of uh, selling these um, islands because they have like state of the art technology, uh, you know, for uh, desalination, for powering, you know, kind of making them very independent. Um, it's a pretty interesting, uh, uh, thing. And it's not just, he doesn't just sell islands in the Caribbean all over Australia, New Zealand, India, uh, the Indian ocean, basically off the coast of India. Um, 
the Med, um, and then on the Atlantic side, you know, off Portugal, Canada, um, the U.S., you know, you can rent an island. Uh, you can do a lot of um, a lot of things through this company in regards to private islands. Uh, so it's um, pretty important. One of his biggest um, co-ops is with a New Zealand company and uh, a Canadian company. They kind of cooperate slash merge together uh, to do all of these. Now, let me tell you about these islands. They're like rock islands. And what people need to know that presidents, past presidents, loved going to these islands. Uh, they were kind of more of uh, trips for communication. And so I'm going to give you a little history trip. So on May 4th, 1973, the president of the United States, President, um, well, let me just continue. He actually went uh, to the Grand K Island. At that time, Robert uh, Abnalop, he was the president of the PVC Corporation and super tight with President Nixon. He owned like two of these islands. So Walker's K Club and the Marina, they're very popular amongst um, politicians and very rich people for fishing. And it's very exclusive. Uh, you can get to those islands either by boat or by air. It has its own. Remember, these islands are self-powered. So they have their own power plants, their own um uh, they can sustain themselves. So President Nixon would always stay at the Grand K in the Bahamas. Now, here's the thing. Um, the president uh, was visiting Grand K on the 26th of May, 1973 for support. Okay. Now, where are these uh, located? It's off the coast of the Bahamas. They actually have their own communication system in place, which is pretty independent. So um, it is a pretty important spot. Um, it was established back then that um, a telecoms company, I believe it was AT&T, uh, provided the infrastructure um, using the NASA submarine cables um, that terminated um, at a downrange missile tracking station on the Bahama Grand Bahama Island, uh, you know, to facilitate secure communications on these islands. Why am I telling you this? Because to, if you noticed, for the past three days, we've been informed that a court is um, issued an order to unseal the Epstein files unsteal the Epstein files. And that is actually being censored by Twitter. So whenever you get a chance, hashtag unseal the Epstein files, pretty much. Now, just so you guys know, um, Chris Klein bought a beachfront mansion back in um, 2013. Uh, which is, which was right next door, um, to a home already owned. Um, Ellen Nordgren, she was dating him, billionaire boyfriend, and they got this $19 million beachfront. Big whoop-dee, right? Um, they, this guy would like be, um, dating 
Ellen, who is Tiger Woods' ex-wife, right? And they live there for a while. She herself had a mansion um, on the other side of it um, after, you know, she won that in the divorce with Tiger Woods. It's it's a pretty complicated situation because, see, Klein is a very staunch conservative but was visiting very lavish places. Now, one would say, why would he be coming down at the time that the Epstein files are being mandated to be released? That is all I have to say on that. Because if Epstein files are being unsealed, you know, is Klein involved with that? Is he testifying to that? Or was he able to provide information on that? And the reason I say this is because back in the day, and this has been reported, uh, there were issues with um, the Epstein slash Klein connections. So, there were a lot of people that were interested in buying an island called the Innocence. It's a private island in the Bahamas. It cost them $55 million at the time in 2014. It was actually sold. And, you know, Innocence in the Bahamas is like, uh, you know, a, a chain of islands again, uh, where, you know, you have people like uh, Copperfield, like Depp that, uh, you know, own these. They're called the Exuma Islands. They offer like super privacy, super privacy. And that island is supposedly um, different because of its shape and what it is. Now, uh, the islands that were for sale and obviously now we know he owned one of these islands was the High K, the Leaf K, the Big Grand Bay, the Bird K, the Lighthouse K, and the Darby Island. So back in 2014, these were for sale. And this coal tycoon bought the Big Grand K for $11.5 million, which is 213 acres. So so I wanted people to kind of understand that things just don't happen out of the blue. There's always something there. And remember that none of the monsters ever have people say things bad about them. They're always doing good. They always have NGOs. But in this case of Klein, I believe that he had information that was compromising to others and not specifically to himself because you know how our president mingled with all these clowns, mingled with all these corrupt persons, mingled with all these stars that loved him up until he ran for president. Well, it's the same thing in businesses and big company CEOs. I'm pretty sure he had tales to tell, especially when he would mingle with Hollywood and celebrities and government because he was in coal. So it's important for us, first of all, may God rest their souls And see what comes out of this. No one knows why this helicopter went down. All they know is that there were seven people on board and they're all dead. And his daughter is dead too. So it's pretty interesting 
how this happened while we are awaiting the unsealment of the Epstein files. So that is a huge deal. Okay. Huge deal. And, you know, I follow um, Mike Cernovich for that because he actually went to bat with the Miami Herald demanding that the Epstein files be released. So, again, we need to be paying attention to who's dying, who's being killed, and how this is all happening. Because this person owned an island that was close to where Epstein had islands before. I tell you that, you know, he, um, uh, mar- he was dating, uh, Tiger Woods' ex-wife. He had very high connections with people at the Cannes Film Festival. He had a lot of information on a lot of people that circular, you know, in the circle of Epstein, including Harvey Weinstein, um, uh, and other big players, congresspersons, senators, and, you know, presidents, recent ones, have all traveled to those private islands. So he was being, I would say, taken out because he has a lot of information. See, when things like this get unsealed, then new things come to light. Then people of interest appear. Not to say that he partook in child sexual rituals and trafficking and snuff films, but he may have had a lot of information. And on that end, you know, may have been extorted. Maybe when he was younger, he would attend these parties. Maybe he even partook at a younger age with a younger child or a teen or partook in, I don't know, train gangbanging. What did Ford say? You know, because you have to listen to the lies they say. Because a lie, a joke, a story always is based on truth. So he might have partook at a younger age into something and they were blackmailing him saying, we're going to put it all to light. And he's thinking, my past, oh my gosh, is going to kill everything I've done from then till now. People are going to identify me for what I did, you know, 20, 30 years ago and not what I've been doing lately because it was horrible. Hmm. But you know what? Righteous people or people that have done wrong, people that have committed crimes, people that have, you know, strayed away, but repented and then worked to fix it, but had not ever been held accountable for what they did, would rather, you know, be silent than speak. But in this case, Klein, knowing how much he is contributing to our nation in regards to energy and coal, knowing how much good, because it was like what, $553 million in revenue for West Virginia since Trump took office and coal came back. He is doing so much good for his state, provided so many jobs. And now he has that stain, that closet skeleton that people were dangling in front of him. And I think People like that, you know, that have done something wrong in the past have no problem 
telling the people who matter. And, you know, he might have, I'm just speculating here. He might have done something and said, you know, hey, when he met with the Trump administration, look, I have done this and it was like a long time ago and this has happened and it may come out in the future. You never know the way things are going. I'm just letting you know. You know, obviously, uh, that's great coming clean. But on the other hand, he might have done nothing and just has all the evidence. So this is where we're at. We're at, was he being blackmailed because his best buddy circles were that of Hollywood, of the Weinstein kind? Or, you know, is he the one that has cards that will be coming out and being called to the to the carpet with the unsealment of the Epstein files. This is a problem. Do you know? This is a very big um, problem considering that they are removing people who can provide information of these networks and how they operate. So, you know, in, in just a few, you know, days, We've had so many people dying, you know, from Secret Service agents to um, the beloved Hagman. You know, I've been on the Hagman report before. I adore them. And I feel so sick to my stomach with what happened to Joe Hagman. I really wish this was more of a national story. We have so many people committing suicide. So many people that are connected to Epstein, Weinstein, you know, all of them and the Clintons that are dying, suiciding or disappearing. This is sad. This is something that we never want to see. You know, death is never something good. Death is never something we should applaud ever, ever. But what we need to remember is that, um, it's, oh, how do we, how do we put this? What we need to remember is that even though all of this death and misery and unexplained, you know, um, unexplained events are happening that are dark, we have to know and, and feel in our hearts that it is a, an outcome that we're seeing because it's about to go down. Okay, it is about to go down super hard, super fast, and they're scared. And I would be scared too. I would be very scared if I was them too, because it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. And you know what? President Trump told you this. Remember, he told you that the Clintons are at the center of this network. And the reason he says that is not because Hillary Clinton is someone special. Not because, you know, she is, uh, you know, the ringleader. She was the one to bring it home. She was the one who was supposed to bring this to fruition and bring it home. I want to play a short clip of what our president told us, okay, of what he said to us. And not many people listened. And it's very important that we do. And this whole week has been about what it is to be an American, how much faith we should have in good. And in order to make America great again, we have to keep America good.
And in order to move forward, we must, we must accept every atrocity our nation has done in the past. Yes, in 1776, we had slaves, but we were the only nation on the planet to abolish slavery in under a hundred years of our creation as a nation, whereas others for thousands of years still kept slaves. We were the first nation to provide women rights to vote on the planet. We were the first nation to provide human rights to every single man, woman, and child, no matter what color and creed. And we did all of this under 200 years, all of it. When we have civilizations that have been around for 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 years, and they still had slavery, and they still treated people differently due to color, religion, or the way they walked or talked or age or sex, but we didn't. Our mistakes... were rectified. The inherent traditions of hanging people in the square, of burning dogs for fun, of burning people alive, of disemboweling people in the middle of the square, those were inherited customs that we abolished. So this is a very special nation and you need to remember it going forward because As the president said, it's all going to start coming out. And when it starts coming out, the attacks are even greater. I mean, all of us are pulling our hair. How are they saying they're drinking out of the toilets when they're not? How are they saying that we created cages when we didn't? They were created over four years ago. How are they saying that this, you know, parade was all about the president when it was all about the military? It was actually not about the president. You pull your hair. You're like, who believes this stuff? And yet... You haven't seen anything yet. They are ready to go. Take a listen to what the president told you. Money into the pockets of a handful of large corporations and political entities. This is a struggle for the survival of our nation. And this will be our last chance to save it. This election will determine whether we're a free nation or whether we have only the illusion of democracy, but are in fact controlled by a small handful of global special interests rigging the system, and our system is rigged. This is reality. You know it, they know it, I know it, and pretty much the whole world knows it. The Clinton machine is at the center of this power structure. We've seen this firsthand in the WikiLeaks documents in which Hillary Clinton meets in secret with international banks to plot the destruction of U.S. sovereignty in order to enrich these global financial powers, her special interest friends, and her donors. Honestly, she should be locked up. The most powerful weapon deployed by the Clintons is the corporate media the press. Let's be clear on one thing. The corporate media in our country is no longer involved in journalism. They're a political special interest, no different than any lobbyist or other financial entity with a total political agenda. And the agenda is not for you. It's for themselves. Anyone who challenges their control is deemed a sexist, a racist, a xenophobe. They will lie 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 and then again they will do worse than that they will do whatever is necessary the clintons are criminals remember that this is well documented 
and the establishment that protects them has engaged in a massive cover-up of widespread criminal activity at the State Department and the Clinton Foundation in order to keep the Clintons in power. They knew they would throw every lie they could at me and my family and my loved ones. They knew they would stop at nothing to try to stop me. Nevertheless, I take all of these slings and arrows gladly for you. I take them for our movement so that we can have our country back. I knew this day would arrive. It's only a question of when. And I knew the American people would rise above it and vote for the future they deserve. The only- this is what you need to remember this weekend heading into next week. These feelings of, you know, understanding and seeing the world objectively, seeing the motions of the world objectively, look at those that they told us are enemies. Why? Because they were the ones that feared their power. You heard Reagan earlier tell you how the media was part of this evil empire, how the media was pushing narratives, how the media was doing all of this. It is an evil empire. He told you that. They are based with evil intentions. And he called this spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare because our nation is just that great. Our nation is just that different than everyone else because we believe in the right to freedom. I want you all to remember that going into this weekend, coming into next week, because from now until the end of this year and possibly up until the 2020 elections, they will escalate their attacks. They have absolutely no shame anymore. They are not hiding it anymore. The media made that clear when they said that they decided that they are not covering our Independence Day parade, where after so many years, children, men, women were all standing along, waving those flags with pride, where we saw our military celebrated as they should be. What he did for this parade was very important, reminding us how we came to and what we've been fighting for. And if my trip down memory lane this week, this whole week hasn't reminded you of who we are, then I don't know what else can. The only thing I can tell you is coming into next week, you will need to remember all of this because it's about to go down and it's starting this weekend and it's going to be pretty insane and they will not care they don't care they're not even going to lie about it they're going to show exactly where their claws and teeth are on that note from everyone here at red state i want to wish you a fabulous day and i'll see you all again on monday 12 to 2 eastern on red state talk radio god bless A long way from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. 
Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there. 